Today we're beginning a, a brief series called A Better Life. Uh, if you think about it, that's what's behind a, probably most of our resolutions that we make. Uh, we're trying to get a better life, whether it's to lose weight or to get organized or work on your marriage or read the Bible through or save money or quit smoking or eat right, exercise. All of those are just attempts uh, to improve some aspect of your life. Now, I don't want to depress you this early in the new year, but statistics say that 92% of the resolutions make that we make, we blow them by the end of the year. 92%. So if you've started a New Year's resolution, just go ahead and give up. It's, no, <clears throat> but do you know why we do give up? It, just think about it. We end up going back to our old ways because if it was easy to bring about change, we would have done it a long time ago, right? That's why every year it's, I'm, I'm going to lose weight this year or I'm going to, whatever it is. Uh, if it was easy to do, we would have done it a long time ago. But what if it was possible to bring about real change in your life? What if it was possible to bring about lasting change in your life? That's what this series is about. What if it was really, really possible to have a new you in the new year. Perhaps 2014 was not a very good year for some of you. My guess is in a crowd like this, there's some of you who said, I could raise my hand on that one. Maybe in 2014 you made some decisions that you wish you'd never made. Or perhaps in 2014 you made some mistakes that have really cost you in your marriage. Or maybe you've made some friends that kind of led you down the wrong path and maybe you've done some things you normally would not have done, or, or maybe you made some choices that have scarred your life, and you'll probably live with those scars maybe for the rest of your life. Or maybe 2014 wasn't really that bad. You know, it's not like we all have messed up, we've all had all kinds of failures. Maybe 2014 for you was not that bad, perhaps it just wasn't that good. It's not that it was bad, it was just kind of blah. You know, just kind of feel disconnected from God. Well, today and next Sunday, I want to talk to you about some practical steps that you can take and that I can take to hopefully have a better life in 2015. And so what I want to talk to you today, the first step I want to talk to you about is how to pray better. That is, how to improve your prayer life. If you think about it, the decisions that you made, those bad decisions those mistakes that you made, those choices that you made, those friends you started running around with, those, those things that kind of led to a lot of, of turmoil and heartache in your life, you may not have made those same decisions and those same dis- mistakes if you had known how to pray better. And so today I want you to listen very carefully, and I want you to take some good notes to what Jesus says, because he's going to show us how to pray better, how you and I can do that. But I really need to just start with uh, a moment of full disclosure. I need to make two statements today, uh, just kind of full disclosure. The first one is this, and it's probably the most important one I need you to hear. Here's my first full disclosure. I don't feel like I have a very good prayer life. I don't want you to think that I'm standing up here and, and I've got it all together and I've got it all figured out, and if you'll just listen to me, I'll help you. I really honestly don't feel like I have a very good prayer life. And my guess is some of you feel that way too. 
In fact, I was a little bit encouraged when I was reading a book in preparation for this message from Ken Hemphill, who is one of the guys I've looked up to for years. And Ken Hemphill wrote a book on the Lord's Prayer, and it's called The Prayer That Jesus Prayed. And early in the book, this is what he said, and I quote, I'll be the first to admit it, I've struggled over the years to have a consistent prayer life. When Ken wrote that book, he was the president of Southwestern Baptist Theological Seminary, my alma mater. And he said, I'll be the first to admit it, though I'm writing a book on prayer, I'll be the first to admit it, I've struggled over the years to have a consistent prayer life. And I thought, well, that helps a little bit, I don't feel quite as bad. And then I read this book, or started reading this book in preparation for the message, and it's Max Lucado, one of his newer books called Before Amen, The Power of a Simple Prayer. On page one, sentence one, chapter one, here's what Max says. Hello, my name is Max. I'm a recovering prayer wimp. He said, I doze off when I pray. My thoughts zig, then zag, then zig again. Distractions swarm like gnats on a summer night. If attention deficit disorder applies to prayer, I'm afflicted. When I pray, I think of a thousand things I need to do, and I forget the one thing I set out to do, pray. So, if you can relate to that like I can relate to that, then maybe you're at the right place today. So that's my first disclosure. Hopefully we're going to learn some things together from what Jesus said. And I was also encouraged to find out that the disciples were not satisfied with their prayer lives either, apparently. There was one day when Jesus was praying. It's recorded in Luke chapter 11. Don't turn there. That's not our text. But in Luke chapter 11, verse 1, it says, and I quote, one day Jesus was praying in a certain place, and when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray. Now, there's a couple of interesting things about that, <clears throat> about that verse. It says, he was praying in a certain place. In other words, there was a certain place he used to go to to pray. And they were apparently watching him as he prayed. And when he got done, we're not sure who said it. The Bible doesn't tell us who made the request, but my guess, just a guess, my guess is it might have been Peter. Peter was the spokesman for the group often. Peter was the one who said what others were thinking. And so as they were kind of watching him pray, you know, and, and when he got done, when he said amen, and he started walking back toward them, maybe Peter said, Lord, teach us to do that. Teach us to pray. I mean, Lord, when I pray, I don't feel like I'm doing it right. When you pray, it looks like you're having a conversation. When I pray, it just feels so canned. When you pray, it sounds like you're talking to God. Lord, teach us to pray. And so Jesus taught them what we call the Lord's Prayer. It's found in Matthew chapter 6. If you want to open God's Word, turn to Matthew chapter 6. And I'm going to help some of you by getting some air flowing here while you find that. Everybody said amen? I'm about to shed my jacket here, but we'll keep it on for another minute. <clears throat> Matthew chapter 6, while you're turning to that, I'm also going to make my second confession to you, or my second disclosure. Uh, a few years ago, I heard Andy Stanley preach on the Lord's Prayer. And i tell you what, it's, it's just one of those messages I really connected with, and, and I, it's so much so that I wrote down the, his outline in the column of my Bible. And then I went back again, and I listened to his message, and I took some more notes. And so I just want you to know that some of the things, not all of it, but some of the things I'm going to share today are things that Andy has taught me as I've listened to his message. But his outline was so good, I'm going to be using his three main points 
uh, today in, in this message as well. So, Matthew chapter 6, verse 9, this then is how you should pray. This is what Jesus said. These are the words of Jesus. He said, okay, you want to know how to pray? Pray, this then is how you should pray. Now, <clears throat> what he gives us is not a formula prayer. That is, this is not something that you memorize and recite. <clears throat> There's nothing wrong with memorizing it. There's nothing wrong with reciting it. We do that at funerals. We do that at weddings. We do that sometimes in church services. Sometimes athletes do that at a ball game. Nothing wrong with reciting the Lord's Prayer. But this is not a formula prayer where you kind of learn it and say it over and over and, and hope it somehow does something. That's not what he was talking about when he said, this is how you should pray. In fact, if you will read through the Gospels, you'll find that Jesus rarely used this prayer. In fact, it's only one other place that I found in the Gospels. In Luke chapter 11, Jesus used this formula, if you will, or this form, maybe I should say. And so this is not a formula prayer. This is a model prayer. It shows us the critical elements that should be in prayer. And it may show us the proper order of the things for which we should pray. And so let's look at this model prayer. So we sometimes call it the Lord's Prayer. Jesus said, here's how you pray. Here's how you start. Number one, write this down. This is the outline. Number one, declare God's greatness. That's where you start in prayer. Declare God's greatness. Don't start with you and your stuff. That's where we normally start, right? We start with our list. We start with our needs. We start with our wants and our desires. And I mean, that's why we're praying, right? Because we need some things from God. We need God to do some things, give us some things, heal something, help something. We, we've got this list of wants and needs and desires. And so we usually start with our stuff. And if that's where you're starting in prayer, you're starting in the, in the wrong place. In fact, I'll tell you why. In fact, I'll let Jesus do that. You know why you shouldn't start with your stuff? Jesus tells us in the verse prior to this. Go up to verse 8. <clears throat> do not be like them. For your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. Hmm, how about that? God actually knows what you need before you ask Him. So don't start with your stuff. Don't start with your list of needs, wants, and desires. Because when you start with that long list of God, give me, help me, heal me, God said, wait a minute, wait a minute, I know all about that stuff. I, I know all those things you've written down. I, I, know, I know what you're about to ask. I know what you need, I know what you desire, I know what you want. So don't start with your stuff. Instead of starting with what you want or need, start with God who has invited you to call him Father. Jesus said, here's how you pray. This then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven. Pause to recognize who you're talking to. When you're praying, when you start, don't rush to you. Pause to, to think about, recognize who you're praying to. Our Father in heaven. And I'm convinced the more time that you and I spend in this aspect of prayer, the more we'll be motivated to pray. The more we spend in this a aspect of prayer, the more confidence we will have in the prayers that we are praying my guess is that probably lots of you, and perhaps me as well, we don't spend as much time in this part of prayer as we should. And if you need help in that area where he says, here, I want you to declare the greatness of God. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. If you need help in this area declaring the greatness of God, it's like, okay, after I say that sentence, what do I say? 
How do I declare the greatness of God? What do I say? Well, if you need help in this area, then read through the Psalms. Because the psalmist was constantly declaring the goodness and the greatness of God. For example, I was using this this morning. I'll give you a few examples. Psalm 8.1. O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. Use that. Turn that into a prayer. Use that as part of your prayer time to declare the greatness of God. In Psalm 8, verse 3 and 4, When I consider your heavens and the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have set in place, what is man that you're mindful of him and the son of man that you care for him? Use that. Start talking about the greatness of God as you start your prayer. Or Psalm 19, verse 1, The heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of his hands. When you pause to express the greatness and the goodness of God, then you understand this God you're talking to is a God you can trust. He's a God who has the resources to meet your needs. He's the God you should obey. You see, everything about prayer hinges on the kind of God you're praying to. So Jesus said, okay, let me teach you how to pray. Here's where you start. Start something like this. Our Father who is in heaven. It's interesting if you read the entire chapter of Matthew, chapter 6 rather, it's interesting how Jesus emphasized this phrase, your Father. Go back to chapter 6, verse 1. Let's just read through, kind of scan through this chapter for a moment. Let me show you what I'm talking about. Chapter 6, verse 1. Be careful not to do your acts of righteousness before men to be seen by them. If you do, you'll have no reward from your Father in heaven. Verse 3. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing so that your giving may be in secret. Then your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. Uh, Look at verse 6. But when you pray... Go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. Verse 7, And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans, for they think that they will be heard because of their many words. In other words, don't be concerned about the length of your prayer. Verse 8, Do not be like them. Your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. This then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, how would be thy name? You see, prayer is simply, Max Lucado said, prayer is simply a heartfelt conversation between God and his child. Prayer is a conversation between you and your Father. Prayer is God's way of reminding you that you're not alone. Prayer, the purpose of prayer, is not just to get bring the list of what you need to God. The purpose of prayer is deeper than that. The purpose of prayer is to enjoy a conversation with your heavenly Father. Think about it. Let this kind of rumble through the gray matter of your mind. You have the potential. I have the potential. We have the potential to have a conversation, an intimate conversation with the creator of the universe. And Jesus said, but when you talk to him, when you pray to him, do not call him, O great creator. You pray to him. Here's how you pray. Our Father, who art in heaven. 
Uh, I've told this story years ago. Lots of you weren't here then, so I'm going to tell it again. But the time that this became really real to me was in my first trip to Israel. We were in Jerusalem, and it was a really cool hotel that we were at. It had a pool on the roof, and and when you got on the roof, you could see, sitting on the roof sunbathing, you could see the old walls of Jerusalem. It was just amazing. The hotel was just right outside the old walls of Jerusalem. And I was sitting there, and I was just, just amazed at what I was looking at, the privilege I had to be there. And, and I heard the kids playing in the pool, you know, and, I, and just yelling and stuff. And then my ears picked up what one of the kids was saying. I kept hearing, Abba, Abba, Abba. He was saying the same word that Jesus used in this verse when he said, your father, that, that is the, the Aramaic word, Abba. Abba. It's, it's the most intimate, warm Aramaic word that they have for the word father. And as I was sitting at that pool, I was listening to this kid who was trying to get his daddy's attention. And he kept saying over and over, Abba, Abba, Abba. He wanted his daddy to see what he was doing. He wanted his daddy's attention. And he didn't say, Oh, great father of mine. He said, Abba, Daddy. Sometimes I think we miss it in prayer because we're trying to impress God. We pray in King James language. O God, thou great and heavenly Father, thou knowest everything, thou Lord, O God Almighty. Jesus said, time out. When you pray, do it this way. Our Father. Our Daddy. But, but, listen, listen to the rest of it. But when you use that word, Use it with reverence. Hallowed be thy name. You can have an intimate relationship with him. You can, be, you can speak to him on an intimate level, but remember, he's still God. You can call him daddy, and that's wonderful and that's biblical. But remember, when you call him daddy, you're still talking to God. So reverence his name as holy. Hallowed. Great. Awesome, majestic, holy is your name. When you pray, that's where you start. Spend some time focusing on who you're praying to. And if you really get it in your heart and mind, who it is you're really praying to, you'll be motivated to keep praying. So start there, Jesus said. Number two, here's the second way to pray better. Start with the greatness of God. Number two, surrender to His rule and will for your life. Surrender to His rule and will for your life. In verse 10, this is how Jesus said it. Here's what you ought to pray, He said. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Jesus was saying, before you get to your wants, needs, and wishes, tell your Father in heaven that you're willing to focus on his agenda rather than yours. You might want to put a star beside that one. Tell your Father in heaven, God, 
I put my plans below your plans. I want to make your priorities my priorities. I'm surrendering all of me to all of you. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So your agenda for my family comes before my agenda for my family. Your agenda for my business comes before my agenda for my business. Your agenda for my money comes before my agenda for my money. Your agenda for my kids comes before my agenda for my kids. Your agenda for my future comes before my agenda for my future. I am fully surrendered to your will for my life. Jesus said, when you pray, that's what you need to focus on. See, the purpose of prayer is not just to get stuff from God. Listen to this. Get ready to write this down because it's really important. The purpose of prayer is not just to get stuff from God. The purpose of prayer, watch this, is to bring our will in alignment with his will. That's the purpose of prayer. And some of you are saying, I I know this stuff. Come on, come on, come on, come on. Tell me how I can get God to do what I want. You see, I got this list. I got these needs. And I've been praying about this for a long time. He hasn't done what I want. How how can I get more power in my prayer by making God do what I want? Can I tell you something? God's not your servant. Your prayer life will get a lot better when the day you recognize God is not your servant. Your prayer life will get better when you realize what you really need to pray is your kingdom come, your will be done. You see, we get into lots of problems when we change the prayer to my kingdom come, my will be done. I mean, that's when we get into real problems. That's when we mess up in life. And, see, the problem is we can live that way for weeks or months or even years. Thinking inside my kingdom, my will, I know what's best. And we'll live that way for weeks or months or years until, until something happens that we can't fix. Until something falls apart that we can't put back together. Until we get in the middle of a mess of our own making, then suddenly we are willing to once again hit our knees and say, your kingdom come. Your will be done. Jesus said, if you really want to pray, Lord, teach us to pray like you pray. Okay. If you want to pray like I pray, here's how you do it. First, start by declaring God's greatness. Second, surrender your will to His. That's what prayer is all about. In fact, if you look at the text with me, verse 9 and 10, you'll see that word word your three times. Verse 9 and 10, your name, your kingdom, your will. You see, real prayer changes you because it takes your eyes off of yourself and places the focus on God. Prayer is where you decide to give your lives to someone greater than yourself. Prayer is where you decide to give your life to someone greater than yourself. And if you don't take time to pray that way, I don't know that you're really praying. 
If all you're doing is giving God your list of wants and needs and desires, and you're not really saying, I surrender to your will. I surrender, and it's about your kingdom, not my kingdom. Then I'm not sure that we're really, really praying. But can I give you one word of warning? Let's get honest. One word of warning. It's not easy to pray that way, is it? Now, that's where life change happens, by the way. Life change happens when we switch the prayer from my kingdom to your kingdom. Life change happens when we're willing to surrender our hopes, dreams, and desires to his dreams and desires for our life. That's where life change happens. But let's be honest, it is not easy to pray that prayer. You may have to start by praying this prayer. God, I want to want what you want, but I don't want it right now. You may have to kind of pray your way through that. God, I want to want what you want. I know on one level that what you want is better for me than what I want. But I got to tell you, God, if I'm really honest, that, that what I want looks more appealing. What I want seems to be more rewarding, more comfortable. I want to be able to pray, your kingdom come, your will be done. But God, right now, I'm struggling with that. Can I tell you something? God would love to hear you wrestle in prayer that way. And I have some scripture to back that up. You see, it's, it's okay if it takes you a little while to come to that point where you can pray and mean, your kingdom come, your will be done. And the reason I say that is because when Jesus was praying in the Garden of Gethsemane, the most important prayer he ever prayed, Jesus prayed three times about his will and God's will. Three times. He had to pray about his will and God's will three times before he was, a, he was ready to get up and walk to the cross. So don't be surprised if you have to pray more than once the prayer that says, your kingdom come, your will be done. It might take you a while to get to the point where you can pray it and mean it. Just keep praying about it. Keep praying through that before you get to the point where you can pray it and mean it. So, start with God. Focus on His greatness. Surrender to His rule and will for your life. Number three, write this down. Here's a third one. And this one will be short. Number three, declare your dependency. Now you're ready to talk to your Heavenly Father about your earthly needs. That's where we normally start, but now we're learning. That's not where we need to start. It is okay, though, to talk to your Heavenly Father about your earthly needs. Just make sure you do it at the right place in your prayer time. So he says, here's how you talk to your, earthly, or your Heavenly Father about your earthly needs. Underline three key phrases. There's one in verse 11, one in verse 12, one in verse 13. Get your pen ready and underline these phrases. Give us, verse 11. Forgive us, verse 12. Deliver us, verse 13. You're declaring your dependency. Verse 11, give us. Give us today our daily bread. You're declaring your dependency on God's provision. Forgive us, verse 12. Forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. You are declaring your dependency on God's pardon. Declaring your dependency on God's pardon. Verse 13, deliver us. Lead us not into temptation, and as Andy Stanley said it in his sermon that I listened to, he said, lead us not into temptation, because we can find that all by ourselves. 
Lead us not into temptation, but here it is, deliver us from the evil one. You're declaring your dependency on God's protection. So, the third part of your prayer is spend some time declaring your dependency for God's provision, God's pardon, God's protection. You see, the very essence of prayer is dependence. Prayer is admitting that I'm not self-sufficient. Prayer is admitting that I need God's assistance. It's okay to talk to God about your needs and your wants and your wishes. He invites you to do that. Just make sure that's not where you start. Start here. Our Father who art in heaven. Surrender to his rule and his will for your life. Then, declare your dependency on him. You see, if we want a better life, we probably need to learn how to pray better. If you pray better, you'll probably live better in 2015. Let me pray with you about that right now. <clears throat> I don't know what this year has been like for you uh, or as you start a new year, what your hopes and dreams are. Maybe this would be a good time and a good place for you just to come and start the year on your knees before God. That's, that's where real life change occurs anyway. Life change occurs as we, we get on our knees before God and start there. Maybe you want to come and pray for our church. Our, our deacons are praying for our church right now. We're in a, we just finished 40 days of prayer, and we're into another 40 days. We ended the year with 40 days of prayer, starting the year with 40 days of prayer. Uh, we're praying for our church. We're praying for a revival. Maybe you would join us in that. And so in this time of invitation, I want you to feel free just to come. Start 2015 on your knees, talking not to just the creator of the universe, but talking to your heavenly Father. Having a conversation with Him about your life. Specifically about His will. Not just your needs, but His will for your life. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Father, we pray for that. That's our desire. And that's our need. Thank you for showing us again how we can pray better so we can live better. And may you be honored in our lives. Today and in this year, I pray that in Christ's name.